two weeks ago on a Sunday afternoon, um, my friend Donna went to the office to work for a couple of hours. She happens to do the bookkeeping for our ministry for CU at Home and, and for the seminary. There's quite a few people in here that are connected to Donna in different ways. And typically over the weekend, she'd go for a few hours and work and then come home, you know, have, have a meal with her husband, take the dog for a walk. And uh, she came back home to do just that, to, to have dinner with her husband, just a little after 5 o'clock, and walked in the living room, and, and he was sitting in the chair. The computer was on a table where his back is to the door. And, you know, she, she talked to him, and he, he didn't respond, and, and she walked over to him, and he was um, slumped down in the chair and um, not responding to her. His um, skin was a shade of blue, and he was, he was gone. She called, called 911, and, um, you know, the, the folks did what they could. But, but her husband, Chuck, you know, the love of her life, they've been married more than 30 years, was gone just like that. It was a massive heart attack, healthy guy. And one moment he was alive, and the next moment... He's with Jesus. <clears throat> Sometimes we, we lose a loved one in a tragic accident, something that's very immediate. And, and the shock and the sting of that pain, it feels in that moment like it's more than we can bear. And sometimes people lose a child. And there's no, no parent or grandparent that should ever have to bury their child. We live in a fallen world um, that's deeply, deeply impacted by sin. Pain and injustice are really a part of, of making this life very difficult on a lot of levels for each and every one of us. So many things just, just don't make sense to us. And if you have, have your um, Bible on your phone or have a paper Bible and want to turn to James 4, that's the scripture we'll be looking at today. You're probably thinking about folks that either you've lost in your life or friends, family members who've lost someone immediately that was not expected and, and how difficult that whole circumstance was surrounding that. That's just a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. It's, it's uncomfortable. I feel kind of like kind of like a prophet delivering this message. This is not something that's easy to talk about, but it's a message that I feel is important for us to hear. So James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15 says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are a bit of smoke that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. In this scripture, James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, warns us to keep the right perspective. 
we can plot and we can plan for, for what we're going to do next week or next year or even maybe when we hit retirement. But we can't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We can't know what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. Think about all the time and the energy that we invest in planning. Those of you that know me know I'm a planner and know that there are parts of this Colorado thing that are driving me nuts. Because <laughs> there isn't a plan. There is a plan, but I don't know what it is yet. So all, what if we, if we took all that time and the energy that we spend planning and focus it on kingdom purposes, on kingdom work? on investing in people. Let's, let's look at things kind of a different way. Um, what would you do if you had only two hours to live? If the Lord pulled back the veil and he let you know that piece of information, 120 minutes on this earth, and then you're gone. Would you maybe go to your favorite restaurant and have your favorite food, especially that dessert? Um, Maybe find ways to spend all the money in your bank account, empty it out, or how about um, going on Facebook and letting your friends know, two hours to live, come hang out with me. Um, maybe, maybe we should um, fall on our knees and confess. Maybe I should fall on my knees and confess my sin to the Lord, begging his forgiveness, and that I would be found worthy to enter his kingdom. Would you maybe gather your family together, share your heart with each of them, letting each person know how much you love them? Would you share your faith with them, the faith that is within you? Would you share details of how God's changed your life? with them, and that the only hope that you have is in the resurrection of Christ. Would you weep with them and for them? Would you pray for God to make himself real in their lives? It's an unchangeable fact that we could die today. It's also true that Jesus could return. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> um... As Christ followers, we, we say that we believe this, but, but do we really? How much does it impact what, what I'm going to do this afternoon? If we truly believe that we had 120 minutes to live, we'd probably do things a little bit differently. There's no reason to wait until our end to, to make things right in our lives. Um, someday it will be too late. Don't, don't put things off until you get those difficult test results back before you get things ordered in your life. We should live in a way that if we, were, we knew that we were going to die in two hours, if I had that information, I wouldn't have to change a single thing. This is possible, and it's exactly how each and every child of God should live. And in this scripture from, from James, he says, for you're like smoke that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Poof. Gone. Don't put off until tomorrow telling the people that you love that you love them. 
don't put off until tomorrow doing what the Lord is telling you to do today. In each moment, be obedient. In each day, be faithful. Because that's the moment you have, the day you have. A few years ago, I was listening to Christian radio, and I heard a speaker talking, and it's, it's a woman, and it's someone that I don't particularly care for. I don't even particularly care for her voice. Kind of a, a grating voice. So, you know, God can make a donkey talk. He can, he can, he can speak for anyone. He can get your attention. And I'm the one speaking right now, so I can say that. <laughs> Um, so, anyhow, an, an, un, an unsuspecting source of truth is what I'm saying, you know, got, got my attention, and, and she said, my ministry is for the person right in front of me, and, and she said it, said it again, my ministry is for the person right in front of me, and um, if you let that kind of sink in a little bit, um, I've tried to, to help that have impact through, through the ministry, through CU at home, and, and I'm lousy at it. You know, I'm, I'm focused and task-oriented, not people-oriented. So when God puts a person in front of me, it's very easy for me to say, oh, I'm sorry, I just I don't have time, I've got to go work on this. But my ministry is to the person right in front of me at that moment. What if we really lived like that? We fill up our, our Google calendars, our paper calendars, we circle dates in the future, and we say, on this day I'm going to do this, and on that day I'm going to meet with this person and go here, as if those days are already ours. They're not. Tomorrow isn't, isn't promised to me or to you. I, um, I'm working on a book right now. Some of you have kind of went on this journey with me of, of writing this book. And the book is about God's provision for me and for the ministry of See You at Home over the last six years. And again, some of you who have, have worked with me and know me, I'm, I'm a control freak. That, that is my signature sin. That is my thorn in the flesh that I have dealt with really ever since I was a child. I can remember instances with people just, just bullying, being demanding. And through this book, writing this book about God's provision, testifying to what he's done in my life and through my life, and I... I thought the planner in me thought I had things kind of all worked out. I had a woman that was working with me who's been in the publishing industry, and she kind of said, you know, I got this. I got your back. I, I'll help you with this. I'll help you with every step of the way, the editing, the, um, the book cover, the, the printing process, and all of the steps in the, in the publishing. And she said, you know, I'll get you a rough estimate of, of what it would cost. And this was, this was about six weeks ago that we had this conversation. In the meantime, I'm writing, writing like crazy, trying to get the thing done. And um, this past week, I got, got her estimate. And she had told me, you know, she's doing this as a ministry and a sliding scale and everything. And, and the estimate had multiple digits in it. Let's just say that. 
And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, God, so what does this mean? Does this mean you're going to drop multiple digits of money from the sky to provide for this book about provision? Or are you, are you going to do it, do it a different way? So um, the idea of only, only having a few minutes to live or, or knowing that there's only a short amount of time um, that really messes with my control theory, you know, that, that, um, that uh, I have more to say about what's going to happen in my life than, than I really do. It is God who's in control of our destiny today and tomorrow and for eternity. He is in charge of our eternity. We can know that. In, in this verse in James, as he teaches, we should say, if the Lord wills, I'll be there. Thursday, or if the Lord wills, I'll be at my appointment tomorrow. Yet that's not the way we think or the way we live. Sudden things can and do happen. In intense pain, darkness, you can't see or feel or hear. The doc says cancer, carcinoma, your heart misses a beat and your life flashes before your eyes. Crash. Your car's flipped over in the median of the interstate. I don't care what was on your calendar. <laughs> things, things change. We think we're in control. We think that our time is ours. In this passage, James says, instead you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this, or we will do that. Just saying those words, if the Lord wills, makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> if the Lord wills. But no, no, no. See, I've got my calendar and I know, you know, this and we plan this and yeah. No. If, if the Lord wills. I'll be there if the Lord wills. Well, I'm sorry, Jesus, but I'm completely booked from 8 a.m. tomorrow until about 7.30 at night. So if you're going to take me, I'm not even going to fall over until Tuesday. <laughs> kind of the way I live my life. Um, if the Lord wills, I'll be there. Tomorrow isn't mine. Tuesday isn't mine. Nor is Wednesday. It's not yours either. What you have is this moment. Right here, right now. Some of you know Tony that works for us. Right arm, right there, he has that thing. Right here, right now. And I think that's, um, that's a strong word for us. My ministry is to the person right in front of me, right here, right now. Nothing else is promised. We want to live like we have 100 more tomorrows. And we put off doing what we know we should do. We think we'll get it done another day whether that's a garden, getting it planted, or, or sharing your faith with your, with your sister. A husband puts off responding to his wife's request for another day of that honeydew list. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. A parent ignores, ignores a child, um, assuming there's going to be another opportunity, another chance to spend that time together. But that's not always true, is it? Looking at the folks in this room, I would say there's a fair number of you that have heard the song Cats in the Cradle. 
Harry Chapin, and there's been somebody redo it in recent years. But think, think about that song. Think about what happens through the verses. It's regret. It's regret as a parent, not investing that time in your child. There's a time for everything, a, a reason for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. This is, this is a note I wrote back in September from a day in my life that I had that God really kind of got my attention with this. This morning I said goodbye to a dear saint, Eileen Warner. She was 99 years young. They already had the 100-year party planned in December. This is September, and the bash was planned. She didn't quite make it. She happened to be a woman that helped me start a new ministry at, at my former church, at, at Cornerstone Baptist Church, um, for, for international students. It was Eileen that helped me. She was 94 at that point. So she was, she was a wonderful servant of the Lord until her last day, finding ways to invest in people. And then just, just a few minutes later, I literally went from the memorial service to another friend's house from that church who had just brought the baby home that day. A brand new baby girl, Clara. And I held that baby. <laughs> Say goodbye to Eileen, 99, tell Clara. Each of us has numbered days here on this celestial ball that we call home. Will you live for Jesus today? Is, is Jesus worth it? And, and am I ready? Are, are you ready? Ready for what? This is a passage from the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, just one verse, 27. It's appointed unto men and women once to die, but after this, the judgment. As I said, God is in charge of our eternity, and there will be a decision made at that point of where your eternity will be spent. The best preparation for tomorrow is the right use of today. My ministry is to the person right in front of me. And yours is to the person in front of you. Be ready how. God has already provided the solution. He's made a way. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he was sent to live on this, this earth, this sod, where we walk to... To be the God-man, perfect in his, in his deity and his godness, yet facing every kind of challenge and temptation that comes to us today. The miracle of the God-man, Jesus. And he lived a life without, without sin, without disobeying God's law. A whole life. And he was sacrificed. Just like in the Old Testament, they sacrificed lambs. Blood had to be shed to pay for sin. According to God's law, Jesus, the Christ, the God-man, 
His blood was spilled because he laid down his life on a cross, an instrument of torture. The the Romans tortured folks by letting them suffer, eventually suffocate, with nails in their hands and their feet. And that, that blood was the payment for my sin, for your sin. And Jesus, the Christ, the God-man, rose again from the grave. Death could not hold him. That's our hope. That's our only hope as we walk out of here today. Our hope is in the resurrected God-man. John 5.24 says this, I assure you, anyone who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Through faith in God, you will be prepared for life beyond the grave. I will be prepared. It's the only way I'll be prepared. You'll also be prepared to live your life here on earth in peace and in certainty and confidence knowing that your Heavenly Father cares for you. He's provided you with an invaluable guidebook for life. How many copies do you have in your home? We've all got access to many versions on the Internet. This is the guidebook. Um, will Will I use it? Will I look at it? Will I obey it? Not always. I know I won't. I'm not right now. But I have to try. This is, this, is, this is the guidebook. It should be held high. High in honor and, and reverence. But it does us no good if we, don't, if we don't read it. If we don't understand what it means. And it's only through his spirit that we can understand what it means. This, this word is alive. It will speak to your heart in a different way today than it will three months from now. 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late.